What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, hosted by two guys who are packing their bags and heading east, just like all of the NHL's talent. Uh, I am your host, Louis Ezekiel, and joining me today, uh, your pal and mine, Jeremy Vercello. Jeremy, how are you doing on a crazy, crazy Tuesday evening uh, full of action? You know, sometimes we worry. Will there be enough? Uh, will there be enough to talk about between the Sunday mega show and Tuesday's short shifts? Uh, almost never disappoints, and today maybe more than ever. Yeah, if anything, you could say I'm a bit overwhelmed. There was a lot of news to come in today, and I've been pretty busy. But fortunately for me, I actually am not going to be around at all on Friday when the actual trade deadline happens. So I'm happy about everything getting out of the way early. I'm not sure that anyone is going to be around on Friday. I think it's all going to be, uh, you know, just filling time. They can, you know, they can talk about what will be nice, actually. Uh, and I'm hoping to do this for Thursday's show is maybe they'll have a chance to talk about how some of those folks who were traded, you know, are being deployed and what the real life implications are. So in some ways, yes, a bust because they're not going to be breaking all kinds of interesting news, maybe the way that they hoped. But it hasn't really been like that for the last few years. And, you know, uh, they can at least, you know, uh, look at some, some you know, uh, some real life deployment. I know they're not going to be focusing on the fantasy side of things the way that we are, but, um, you know, that, that's sort of how I'm, how I'm thinking about it. Uh, listen, we don't have time to waste, so let's jump right into it. Uh, and the biggest piece of news is the one that dropped uh, most recently, and that is Patrick Kane has officially uh, been traded to the New York Rangers. We all sort of knew that this was coming. You know, one of the worst kept secrets in the league as they, you know, the Rangers and the the uh, Blackhawks had to kind of search around to find a third party to help them facilitate this. Unsurprisingly, the Arizona Coyotes were more than happy to oblige and pick up a pick and pick up some contract along the way. Uh, what are your thoughts about Kane heading to the Big Apple? First of all, I'm just impressed that they got it done. The Rangers adding both Tarasenko and Kane is the largest loading up any single team has done that I can remember. But for the trade itself, I think Kane slots into a top six. I joked somewhere earlier that he could play on the Rangers' fourth line and be surrounded by more talent than he was in Chicago. That may be a bit of an exaggeration, but you get the point. What I'm most interested in is what does this do to the power plays in New York? There's a lot of talent, and even Tarasenko was looking at PP2 time for parts of the past couple games. Are they just going to go a 50-50 split, or are they going to keep their guns together? They haven't been an elite power play so far this year, so it may be time for a shuffle, and it may be a bit painful for the people who own some guys like Kreider or Trocek. Yeah, I was thinking Kreider or Trocek might be the the closest to, um, you know, potentially dropping out. You know, Zibanejad, unlikely to go anywhere. You know, I wonder if Kreider keeps his spot just because he does his front of the net thing so well. But, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how these things shake out because, you know, on the one hand, a lot more talent to spread around. And I think there's just going to be more scoring in general, like the even strength situation is going to be nice. Uh, but whoever gets that plum power play one time obviously is going to have a nice advantage there. Um, I like what you mentioned about the loading up. I was thinking of like the offseason where the Red Wings signed Brett Hull and Luke Robitaille as being sort of similar, but I believe that was pre-cap. 
and so, you know, this is this is not just uh, Ken Hallett getting to spend Mike Illich's money however he feels like. This is, you know, having to really plan and be careful and be uh, intentional about this decision making. So, uh, yeah, really good for them to get this done. Uh, very impressive. And it's going to be really fascinating to see. Uh, you know, some of these teams, you know, that are loading up and that are sacrificing quite a bit to load up for this run, uh, you know, some are going to fall short. And so it's going to be a really interesting offseason, too, uh, when, you know, the discussion becomes, OK, what, you know, what went right and what went wrong? And did we do the right thing making some of these sacrifices? Um, so, you know, like you said, I think uh, obviously no one's going to be able to run out and grab Patrick Kane. Uh, and in all likelihood, it's going to be people who, you know, are less owned losing value. Um, so I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk fantasy wise, other than I did want to point out, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but we did see Kandre Miller uh, get a three game suspension um, for a spitting incident against the Kings. Uh, this is the same uh, punishment that we saw for a previous spitting incident with a player whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but given this newly exciting offense, um, if you were holding Kandre Miller in Kakupful, for instance, and you had to uh, deal with that empty slot for three games, is that worthwhile for you as you head into you know the the late stages of the season, uh, or is he close enough to is he close enough to the, um, the the chopping block that you would be okay to let him go during this three game suspension? I'm cutting loose Keandre Miller in all redraft leagues. He really hasn't been the same recently. He doesn't have a point in his last six games. His hits and blocks are down. He's kind of stopped shooting. Good player if you're in a dynasty league, but I think that orange has been juiced for the regular season. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely someone who uh, can pop in with some points here and there, but I don't know that anyone's going to be rushing to add him except maybe a team that you know, is very comfortable in their playoff position. I think, uh, um, you know, if you are in any, if you, there's any benefit at all to winning these next couple matchups, whether it is a seeding issue or whether it is trying to make the playoffs, I would also be comfortable losing Miller. I do think there is some intrigue because with all of that talent, the top nine is going to be quite strong. So whoever is out on the ice is going to have a decent chance of picking up points. Um, but yes, I can live without him. That was a major, uh, you can't do that type mo- moment there. Remember, folks, spitting is not allowed, but licking is okay. Yeah, just a little lick, you know. That's a that's a t- it's a more tender gesture, I think. All right, uh, another big move today, and that one that was maybe a bit of a surprise: Rasmus Sandin moved to Washington to get Eric Gustafson and a first. Uh, the Leafs save a little bit of cap room here. This is a really interesting one because I think this has some significant impact on both the players involved. Gustafson is beginning lots of power play one time with Carlson on uh, injured reserve. Uh, Sandine, uh, you know, has sniffed some power play time, certainly, but has not been especially productive outside of peripherals. How do you see this impacting the fantasy value of these two players? Uh, are they players you should be running out to add? Are they players you should be cutting loose? What are your feelings here? I'm kind of interested in running out to grab Rasmus Sandin. I suspect he'll take that first power play war- role in Washington, at least until Carlson's back, which may be the rest of the season. This is also just interesting from a real-life perspective. There's so many factors here. Uh, Washington wanted to retool on the fly, which this points to. Gustafson now joins a very stacked Toronto decor where I'm not convinced that 
he's going to play every night even, which is crazy to think about. But they also added Luke Shen today. So they're really loading up with a big guys for playoffs and making sure that if someone gets hurt, they can handle the load. I guess to circle back, though, Sandine is interesting. Gustafson, I'm ready to let loose because he probably won't be supplanting Morgan Riley on power play one there. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I think that's really uh, unfortunate news for Gustafson owners who have really been enjoying um, his production. He's been near a point per game for like 20 plus games here. I think it's like 21 and 26 or something. Uh, Just really a lot of success for him. Uh, he's shown in Chicago and, and again in Washington that he's capable of running that top power play. He's not necessarily an elite power play quarterback, um, but he can he can do the job. Um, I wonder if he might get an opportunity just as they sort of see what they've got with some of these guys, but I'm not very confident that that's going to happen. I think this is a big hit to his value. Uh, and like you said, with with the amount of defensive depth we suddenly see in Toronto, I mean, t- Toronto fans, you are going to wake up to uh, a significantly changed team in the morning. Uh, so this has really been a wild day. And I do think that this is a big blow to Gustafson's fantasy value. Um, you talked about Sandine probably getting a shot maybe at that power play one spot. You know, Orlov is out. Carlson's still injured. It does make me think that they feel that Carlson is going to be returning relatively soon. Um, so, you know, Sandine probably not long for that power play one role would be my guess. But uh, I think it's important to, to give him a shot there and see what they've got in him because he does seem like a potential building block for the future. Um, you mentioned Luke Shen heading to Toronto. Um, you mentioned earlier that you felt like this kind of tanks his value in banger leagues just because he's probably going to get less time on ice in Toronto. You know, uh, he was on a bad possession team, which means, you know, they don't control the puck very much. He's getting opportunities to dive in front of shots. He gets to hit people. You know, those are things that you can only do when you don't have the puck. Uh, so, and of course they, they depend a lot on being out on the ice for significant periods of time, which, uh, just like with Gustafson, seems like that opportunity is going to be rested away. Um, so if you were using, I I'm with you again, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing your words here because this is what we talked about previously, but, um, I do agree. You know, I feel that, that Shen's value, uh, definitely takes a hit, uh, as a banger. He's just not going to have the same amount of minutes. And, you know, if Toronto has the puck, then, uh, he's not doing his thing, hitting people and blocking shots. The other move out of Toronto, uh, Pierre Engvall headed off to the Islanders. So a big exodus of Swedish players out of Toronto. Um, what are your thoughts here on Engvall? Is there any is there anything interesting here at all, or, or should we just kind of <laughs> move it along? It's a bottom six move. Maybe in a deep bangers league, he's interesting. I always am a fan of the pet theory that guys in New York Islanders get significantly more hits than other players. Someone did a statistical analysis on it a couple years ago where they thought that the scorekeeper on the island was actually over-rewarding hits and blocks. So that's why, you know, Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck ended up with 350 hits a year. But that's, I digress, that's not really relevant. If you're in a league deep enough that Pierre Engvall is rostered, maybe he gets some more scoring opportunity and more ice time. But... I think we've already spent too long on this. Yeah, for sure. I think someone going to the Islanders is not usually cause for excitement uh, with regards to their fantasy value. Uh, What seemed like was going to be kind of the big move of the day before everything else happened. 
we saw Puglia Jarvi uh, traded to Carolina, finally uh, getting that fresh start that I think everyone has sort of been desperate for him to get. You know, I think just generally the fantasy hockey world is looking for this guy to get a new start. He's a bigger guy. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, ascribe to the um, the idea from Dabber that uh, bigger players take a little bit longer to develop and hit their breakout threshold. But, you know, still young, um, still kind of finding his way, hasn't really gotten the types of opportunities that we're seeing. Uh, and of course, everybody loves to talk about how uh, Aho and Line A uh, teamed up with um Puyajarvi for one of the uh, the all time great world junior lines uh, that we've been able to see. So exciting for him to go somewhere that has a lot of fins. Um, do you think he'll get a shot to to play up there with uh, with Aho? It's hard to say because Seth Jarvis has actually been really good recently. I think we talked about him on a recent show, but averaging more than three shots a game, putting up some points here and there. But Puyarvi should get a chance. I mean. They want to make their new acquisition look good. They want to make him happy. He's got friends on the team. It's definitely a Finnish connection type of opportunity. So I I think he'll bounce in and out of the top six, where you just have to be on top of grabbing him when he's getting good deployment. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, point. You know, I, I look at him as still being a project. I think it's a great spot for him maybe in the long term, and I'm interested in seeing what he's able to accomplish next year. Um, you know, uh, if you want to take a, a shot at him, you know, he's got that uh, good schedule this week, but uh, his visa, you know, concerns anytime a player is traded from a Canadian franchise to an American franchise, uh, oftentimes, or, or vice versa, I should say, uh, a lot of times we do see some delay in that player being ready to start. So he may miss out on some of the, the nice um, off day opportunities that Carolina has. He certainly won't be joining the team tomorrow. Uh, for that first of the off day games on Wednesday. Um, but someone to keep an eye on, maybe somebody worth streaming in. I don't think he's someone to rush out and add. I didn't see anybody in T1 rush out and add him the way that uh, we might have seen with uh, a Niederreiter potentially, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, man, we're not even done with all of the blockbusters here. We got another big one, a very interesting one, I think, not necessarily because of the players involved. But because of the domino effect that we might see as a result of this move, and that is Matthias Eckholm heading to Edmonton. Uh, this one is a wild one. This, I mean, almost as weird as it's going to be seeing uh, Patrick Kane blue. I think seeing Eckholm uh, in in dark blue and orange is going to be very jarring for a lot of people as such a longtime uh, member of the Predators. Uh, Eckholm went to Edmonton uh, with Tyson Berry making the return to Nashville, uh, along with some picks uh, along the way. Um, but this raises a very interesting question about what happens now in Edmonton. Obviously, Barry has been a guy who has cashed in as a power play one QB for much of his career. Um, maybe never reaching the heights that we sort of hoped he would hit. But, um, you know, and a lot of people argue, well, you know, uh, a pylon could be out there on power play one. Uh, the, you know, uh, RNH and um, McDavid and Dreisaitl are the three league leaders in power play points. It's just, you know, uh, the points find themselves. So whoever steps into that position, I think we would have to be reasonably excited for them. Yeah. Totally agreed. The question is, who is the person who jumps in there? I know Elon said we should consider that Ekholm gets it, and I think Ekholm would do a great job there. I'd be surprised if they value him there over Bouchard or Nurse, who are already on the team. 
but I'm honestly just shocked they moved Barry. Uh, Oilers fans have been telling me all year that he's improved and passable defensively and playing even strength minutes. He's on pace for 58 points and has another year on his contract. That's a, a, a big change over there in Edmonton. Yeah, I wonder, too, if Barry maybe gets a chance to be on a uh, three-forward, two-defender power play in Nashville. Um, you know, Nashville's not exactly rolling in offense right now. I don't think they necessarily, besides Duchesne, uh, Forsberg, when he gets back healthy in Grandland, I don't know who you're getting really excited about having out there. Um, Yossi, obviously, is going to be that top power play guy. I think we have determined that. You know, last year's um, power play effectiveness was a little bit of a blip in the radar. Um, it was one of the reasons why I avoided Nashville players this year is because I really thought they had overperformed last season. Um, but, you know, uh, I do think that, you know, there is maybe some value there. I don't think they're as bad as I, they have fixed some of the problems that had plagued them for so many seasons. But I don't think it was ever going to be as good as it got last year. Um, but I do think Barry could maintain some value. Uh, if they do end up having a power play like that. So I wouldn't be rushing to drop Barry um, necessarily. I, I've heard a lot of doom and gloom about his future prospects. At least hold on and see how they're going to have their deployment in Nashville, I think, because it could potentially be an interesting opportunity. Um, but yeah, uh, the question, definitely the million-dollar question is who's going to get that spot in uh, in Edmonton. I feel like if Edmonton wasn't in, you know, uh need of wins the way that they are. I think we would see Bouchard for sure. Um, I, I wonder if, you know, they're going to shuffle things around and sort of see what works best. I, I feel like long-term that's the best option. And so that makes me feel like you just go ahead and give them the chance. Um, so I would certainly, if I had Bouchard, or if I had the opportunity to make a speculative ad on Bouchard, I think I definitely would. Um, because again, if he gets it, that is prime opportunity. Um, but I could see it going to someone else because again, if you can, if you can pass the puck to the unbelievably skilled players on the team, let them handle the rest of it. I think you're going to be, you know, just fine as a power play QB. If I had to handicap it, I'd give it a third chance of Bouchard, a third chance of nurse, and also a pretty good chance of a five forward power play. I don't see a reason they wouldn't do that, but, uh, back to Barry's value. I think you make a really good point. Because especially with the injuries to Forsberg and Parsonen, people like Cody Glass, Tommy Novak, Kiefer Sherwood, Phil Tomasino, and Luke Evangelista all got power play time in the last Predators game. So there's room for him on power play one, at least in the short term. Yeah. And, you know, I think they might want to see what they have. They're not playing for a whole lot, obviously. They are, you know, kind of sellers at this deadline. I kind of would love to see what Tomasino could do with a regular top power play line, but I don't know if the organization necessarily feels like he is ready for that position. Um, but that's one to watch, you know, for the future, because I think long-term they look at him as a guy who, uh, you know, really could could step up into that role. Um. Let's see. We had one other one, uh, which was uh, Marcus Johansson heading from Washington to the Wild. Uh, and then we had Gus Nyquist also potentially headed to the Wild. I think um, Columbus held on to 50% of his salary. Uh, anything worth noting from those two? Neither of them uh, neither of them being a uh, center, 
makes me feel like, you know, are we especially uh, excited about either of those potential moves? You know, mostly we've been talking about who's going to be, you know, provide some quality center play for the Wild. Yeah, that seems like a nothing to me. There's a chance Johansson gets power play two time. Nyquist is actually hurt right now, but is hoping to be back by the end of the season. But it was a pretty serious shoulder injury. So I those are the two least interesting moves all day to me for fantasy. Yep, I'm with you there. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. On the other side, we'll talk about some players who were traded a little bit earlier and what the early returns look like for them. Uh, we've got a few uh Injuries and outries to talk about, a hot streak to discuss. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk at least a little bit about the other major trade. Uh, I know it went down during the mega show, um, but we've seen a few dominoes fall since then. I'm talking, of course, about Timo Meyer heading to New Jersey. Um, Overall, initial impressions, you know, I think uh, the guys mentioned this already, but, you know, exciting news, I think, for um, Hughes and Heeshear, um, because, you know, they are guaranteed to get to play now with some combination of Meyer or Bratt. Um, potentially bad news for Andre Palat, um, who, you know, is starting to look like a bit of an overpay, um, but I'm sure the Devils, you know, will find a way to make it work, but... Uh, you know, maybe not an ideal situation uh, for Palat owners having Timo Meyer come in. Um, and I think just, you know, like the way that an injury uh, is bad news for, you know, uh, a whole team, if it's a really good player, I think bringing in a player like Meyer is great news uh, for the team. Generally, we're going to see more scoring. Uh, that power play is going to be a little more aggressive. So everybody except uh, I'm assuming Palat, who gets bumped off, uh, is going to see some value improvement. Uh, anything else that you think is important to talk about uh, with regards to this swap between the Sharks and the Devils? Just want to point out that currently in practice, it looks like Zetterland and Janssen were playing line one in San Jose, but kind of temper your expectations there. Our producer, John Reed, mentioned that Kevin LeBanc is uh, out for the birth of a child, I think, and that San Jose has a history of giving the new guys top deployment in their first couple games to help them ingratiate themselves to the new fans and enjoy their time in San Jose. And things will probably normalize over the next week or so. Yeah, nothing really to lose, I think, playing those guys when you have the opportunity. Why not, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting one. And uh, Meyer was saying that his upper body uh, issue is still sort of... Um, uh, remains uh, is not expected to start versus the avalanche on Wednesday. Uh, so it'll be a little bit before we get the opportunity to see Meyer uh, in action. Uh, maybe a rare case where a trade deadline uh, injury actually may have been uh, a legitimate one, like one where that was really keeping him out. Um, all right. Jumping into some other topics here. Um, we have some injury and outchery news. Uh, Laurent Brassois uh, was moved to IR. He's going to miss at least three games. Uh, Aiden Hill had a nice game uh, for Vegas last night. Uh, he's done quite well this year anyway. Um, feelings about Brassois, important to hold on to him if your IR is full. Um, you know, any, any thoughts on... Uh, we were talking earlier about maybe a goalie potentially making their way to Vegas since they are on their... Uh, you know, their their later options, uh, what with obviously uh, losing Leonard for the season right at the start. Anything worth 
bringing up uh, that you feel like about the the goaltender situation in Vegas? I suppose we don't want to speculate too much. Without speculating too much, Aiden Hill's been pretty good this year. I think even when Brassois got called up, I think Hill was kind of still the 1A there, and hopefully you got a chance to grab him back if you thought it was a 50-50, because they certainly aren't going to play whoever's next in line much. If Brassois' injury is more serious, maybe they'll hit the goalie market. They aren't shy about making trades, but we'll leave that for next show since hopefully anything would happen by then. Yeah, we've got uh, some rumors about Eunice Corposala potentially being on the move, and we've got uh, you know some thinking that maybe Vegas could be an option, maybe LA could be an option, just uh, something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. Uh, some pending outeries, some important ones, uh, Philly Forsberg and Kale McCarr uh, owners. Uh, those uh, injuries may be wrapping up soon. Uh, Forsberg's return was called imminent, so take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, and they're looking to get McCarr back uh, when they have the opportunity as well. Um, so, uh, you know, not much actionable there. Obviously, get them in if you have the chance. And, and Forsberg's return does make, uh, you know... Um, the potential of uh, Barry on power play one a little more interesting since he adds a lot of skill there. This is kind of an injury fallout, uh, but Jack Quinn has moved onto line one in Buffalo uh, with Alex Tuck's injury. Uh, he had two goals and two assists in the four games prior to Tuesday night. Uh, he does have an assist on a goal from Thompson and assisted by Skinner and Quinn. Uh, so that's a nice spot. Uh, he is getting limited power play two deployment and has mostly been in the teens for ice time. Um, but obviously being on that line with Tage is great even strength deployment, even if that offense for Buffalo has fallen off a little bit lately uh, and more you know, dangerously. I think the defense uh, with Darlene out has been a little bit problematic, but just a, a good potential streamer option if you're looking for someone who's getting nice deployment with some really talented players. Uh, and Jack Quinn is no slouch himself, obviously. He is a, uh, a prospect that the organization values. Uh, so cool to see him get a shot. Uh, I'm going to let you take the next interesting line one deployment, and that is Gurianov uh, in Montreal uh, is getting that top line deployment. How do we feel about that opportunity for Dennis, who is another player that we were sort of hoping would get a fresh start in a new organization? Yeah, Gurianov could be very interesting in uh, a new lineup. I know Dallas Stars fans that I know were pretty disappointed that he was going, felt he never got a fair shake in Dallas. He's always had the talent, especially from a scoring standpoint, and Montreal desperately needs a finisher. It could be interesting. And real quick to backtrack, Jack Quinn, Jack Quinn just scored. So another point to the short shifts bump. Hey, right on. Love to see it. Uh, so a goal and an assist now. Uh, and yeah, just uh, assisted by Matias Samuelson. So it's nice to see uh, some some future pieces, you know, that the, the Sabres are going to rely on. Uh, collaborating there. Very cool. Um, so we, we were having a pretty spirited debate in the Discord channel uh, between the patrons uh, about whether we should be more excited about Gurianov as a line one option or Dodonov uh, getting playing time. Uh, this was from It's My Gig, whose team is the Hamilton Tigers, uh, one of our patrons, said people may be sleeping on Dodonov going to Dallas. Uh, he played 78 games under Stars coach Pete DeBoer during their lone season together in Vegas, uh, during which he had 20 goals and 23 assists. 
Uh, he had a nice debut with Dallas last night. He played with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnson. Uh, five shots and a goal. Uh that line won the shot attempt battle with 61% of the attempts. They lost the actual shots three to six. Uh, they did manage to score an even strength goal and allowed one against. So that might be something to keep an eye on just because those two have a little bit of a history together. Um, you know, DeBoer may have some trust for Dodonov uh, that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily see uh, with a player starting on a new team. Um, so, you know, uh, some potential for some intrigue there. We'll kind of keep track of this uh, Gurianov versus Dodonov uh, and see how they, they do in their relative deployments. Both, I think, you know, pretty, uh, you know, these are these are potential streamers, not anybody. You should be dropping a, a regular player uh, in your lineup to grab, but certainly someone to keep an eye on in their new situation. I think you hit the nail on the head there with that they're just streamers, so... While the debate, which I did not actually get to take part in, sounds really interesting, and I think uh, It's My Gig makes a really good point about former coaches and having biases towards players, I don't think it really matters in the long run when it's guys that are going to be on your roster for back-to-backs or two games in three days. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just as long as we're talking about players who have been traded who are having outstanding uh, early returns, Dmitry Orlov now with both of Boston's goals against Calgary. Uh, so way to go, Dimitri. You're fitting right in in Boston. I'm sure he's uh, excited for the opportunity uh, to play with a team that is really killing it uh, so far this season. Let's talk um, now quickly about uh, another guy who I think is pretty intriguing uh, now that we have seen the lineup come out, and that is Nino Niederreiter, uh, traded to the Jets. Uh, looking to line up on line two with Lowry and Ehlers, which may not be the most exciting even strength deployment, but uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is, you know, seems like he is on the verge of coming back pretty soon here. So that could be decent even strength deployment. And then also getting some run on the top power play. Uh, so definitely someone that I would be interested in keeping an eye on. Uh, and I actually... I, I've been anxious to move on from Dylan Strom. I know he's had a bit of success lately, but he's got a pretty lame schedule this week. Um, and uh, that was a guy that I would have made that swap for if he was available. Unfortunately, Niederreiter has been on a lineup for quite a while here. Next week especially, a really good schedule. Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday for the Jets. Uh, so if Niederreiter is available in your league, I am willing. I'm, maybe you disagree. I would take him over Dodonov. I would take him over Gurianov. I would take him over Jack Quinn for the kind of potential streamer guys that we've talked about up to this point. I agree with you. I think he's probably the most interesting trade or trade fallout guy that is addable at this point. I will point out, though, that in two periods of the game today, he's played just under 10 minutes. He has gotten a power play one share. Unfortunately, he has zero shots and zero points to show for it, despite the fact that the team has scored four times, including at least twice on the power play. Yeah, so, you know, uh, maybe finding his feet a little bit. Uh, you know, a guy who took a couple games to find his feet with his new team, who is just red hot right now. Uh, this is my segue into talking about Anthony Beauvillier. 
Um, I wish I had managed to grab him in Cupful. I did get him in Bubupful, although uh, it doesn't mean anything for me now since I just missed out on that last playoff spot. My team would be crushing it this week if they were still around with Giroux and Beauvillier and some of these other guys. Um, but Beauvillier has 11 points in 11 games since heading to Vancouver. He's obviously enjoying uh, this deployment that he's got and uh, you know thriving offensively in a team that has more of an offensive philosophy. Um you know, another guy who is shockingly low roster, 15% only on Yahoo, uh, which was a number that I could hardly believe given the length of time he's kind of been on this hot run and the time that he has spent uh, playing with uh, playing with Petey. So, um, you know, I, I have to say uh, I like Nino, but go with the guy who's actually producing on the new team in Beauvillier out of everyone that we've discussed to this point. He takes the top tier. I know I saved him for last, but uh, just so surprised that he is rostered in so few leagues on Yahoo. I would be running out to grab that guy uh, as soon as I had the opportunity. Yeah, I actually, while you were talking, just went and put a claim on him in my 12-team league. So there's kind of a bit more of a reason he's available there. But he, I just can't ignore what he's been doing and the ice time he's been getting. It's looked really good. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I mentioned so this was one I wanna I wanna pat myself on the head here a little bit because I I screw up on some of these picks I do, but uh, I felt confident that they you know with nothing to lose why not show off uh, what they got for what seemed like a pretty expensive haul in this Horvat trade. Uh, and they've really been giving him a lot of opportunity, and he's been running with it. So uh, good on Beauvillier. I'm glad that he is enjoying uh, the relative freedom of offense in Vancouver uh, compared to you know the much tighter play in uh, on the Islanders. Um, so yeah, definitely a guy that I think uh, is worth a grab here if you have a moment. Whoa. And with that, I think we have hit the end of our show run here today. We'll, I'm sure, have more moves to discuss on Thursday. We can talk about how some of these folks are fitting in on their new teams on Thursday. You know, the nice part about it is I think the show is going to prepare itself more or less in turn. We're not going to be searching for topics, certainly, uh, just like we weren't today. Jeremy, thank you so much for helping with all of the show prep. We had so much to get into. Really a pleasure talking with you about uh, the fantasy implications of, you know, uh, uh, trade deadline day come a few days early. Yeah, it's been exciting. I, uh, I'm i excited to see what else teams can do. I think there's a good chance Toronto has more moves in the hopper. And hopefully the West will decide to catch up to what the East has been doing. Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, but Jacob Chikrin uh, is going to be on the move here, we assume. Uh, we've got, you know, uh, maybe JT Miller could be a potential move or Brock Besser. So, yeah, there's there's more to come for sure. And we will be here uh, to help you sort it all out. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to everybody who showed up uh, in the Twitch stream. Uh, twitch.tv slash Keeping Carlson. Uh, be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK, Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Uh, always recommend that you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, at Game Day News NHL. Uh, Shams is getting a workout today, getting all the retweets up there. Uh, and it's all organized so nicely at the site GameDayTweets.com, which now has team and player search function. Uh, so that's a really awesome uh, new addition that the site has made. So check it out if you haven't seen that yet. Uh, please visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo Frozen Tools and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.